Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. There we are. Hope you're ready to start our services this morning. We are ready up here, so if you would like to stand, we're going to open our service in a song. We're going to sing the Lily of the Valley together. I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I stand. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow, he's my comfort. In trouble, he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. All my grief is taken and all my sorrows born. And temptation is my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols stone from my heart. And now he keeps me by his power. Do all the world forsake me and Satan tempt me sore? Through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith and do His blessed will. A wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. From His manna, He my hungry soul shall fill. The sweeping of His glory to see His blessed face Where rivers of delight shall ever roll He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul are here with you and that you're going to shine your glory down upon this church. So Father, I place this service and everything that transpires here today in your hands. May you open the windows of heaven and just pour out your Holy Spirit. May we be filled up, heaped up, and overflowing, Lord God, as we open our hearts to hear your will and your word. God, just, just anoint Brother Tommy as he preaches this morning, Father. And God, I just thank you for who you are and what you are. And if there is someone here today, Lord, whether they're in this congregation whether they're going to be watching the YouTube channel, whether it's DVD, whatever, may they hear your word and come to know you before it's too late. Father, may your will be done as you pull the heartstrings on those that still need to hear who and what you are. And those that are here, that know you, 
God, may they heed your word as well and leave this place changed to do a little bit more what you call them to do. God, may thy will be done in this church service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 It's good seeing everybody this morning. Take a second, walk around, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug, but let them know it's good to see them in God's house this morning.
uh, Ernie and Sharon Rice from been from Stockdale for so many years, and Ernie got involved with Haiti through the Texas Baptist men, and they, a year or so ago, they surrendered full-time ministry there, and they're working, and so the association is helping fund some of their work. I have brochures in the back of these things I'm talking about, if you have more interest. Several years ago, we started uh, supporting the student ministry, Baptist student ministry at Texas State University in San Marcos, and uh, it's a phenomenal uh, way that, that they train and, and, and train these kids in leadership. There are 38,000 students on that campus, and it's basically an unreached people group. Uh, and so these students are being trained to, to witness on the sidewalks between classes, and uh, they go on mission trips both in the United States and around the world, and uh, some of the funds that we give help with that. The third thing uh, you may be interested in is about two years ago, uh, the association began a relationship with South Texas Children's Home for their family counseling services. About 25 or 30 years ago, the home uh, set up a counseling center in Corpus, and they opened one in, in Victoria about seven years ago, and now they're kind of reaching out into the smaller communities where they know that people have needs for family counseling, marital counseling, and that type of thing. And the, the neat thing about it is that it's at no cost uh, to, the, to the client. But we as an association felt like we wanted to endorse that ministry and that service by uh, helping them. And so the funds that come from our churches, the funds that come from you, are going to help support that counseling ministry there. Uh, and uh, there's a licensed professional counselor with South Texas Children's Home that comes to Stockdale two days a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The brochure has a phone number in Victoria where you can call and make an appointment if you need to. Or if you know someone, they don't have to be Baptist, they don't have to be... It can be your brother-in-law that you don't like, but if he needs uh, if he needs some counseling, uh, then then you can direct them that way. But uh, I just wanted to tell you all this because if you put anything in these offering plates or wherever you take your offering, a portion of that goes to help support the work of the Gambrel Baptist Association. So thank you for your support and thank you for all that you do. God uses the money wisely, and it's awesome to see how, through our church and other churches, all these done through these, these uh, tithes and offerings. And it's speaking to that, again, as I've said before, we don't pass a plate in our, our sanctuary. We have prayer and offering columns front and back. This is something between you and the Lord. However, just because we don't pass a plate does not nullify the fact that God has, has called us to do this. He's called us to give of our monies, to give of that 10%. And he does this so that you will show through that you choose to be to be uh, obligatory to that, to, to be uh, faithful, obedient. Thank you. My mind's not working real well. Um, to be obedient unto the Lord. So this is between you and the Lord. I would not ever want to shame someone into doing that because this is between you and God. But I would ask you to think and pray and be obedient unto the Lord and tie as God has asked you to do so. All right, Brother uh, Chris. Let's get our scripture reading this morning. Father God, I again lift up my brother to you, and I just pray that you would use him in a mighty way this morning. Thank you for this young man willing to not just lead us in music, but to open the word and allow you to speak through him. May we hear your word through him in, this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Amen. I'm going to read it out of a slightly different version, but you guys can read along if you like. 
Second uh, Samuel twenty one one says, "Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites." So, a uh, little backstory here. This is when uh, David reassumes the throne uh, from Saul, and uh, then kind of almost immediately after that, there's a famine for three years under David's reign. Um, that is an interesting situation, first off, because uh, we can see that, number one, God keeps his promises. Uh, number two, he expects nations to also keep their promises. Um, 400 years later is when this happened. So uh, the tribe of Israel attacked the Gibeonites outside of their promise 400 years ago. And now they are realizing the error of their ways through the punishment that God is giving them uh, through this famine. That's 400 years ago. And besides that fact, David was not the one who enacted that attack. He inherited this punishment, right? Um, so we see here that, you know, God is faithful in his promises. He expects us to honor our promises as well. But it also shows that sometimes we get into a situation that we have inherited, uh, not that we caused ourselves. So it shows us how we're supposed to respond to those situations. Uh, David could probably have whined about it and sat back and said, well, this had nothing to do with me. This wasn't my decision, so I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm going to be passive, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? He was now the leader of Israel. So it was his responsibility one way or another to manage through the situation that he wasn't even a part of, right? So uh, I'm going to read some items here. Uh, it says, first, we, plainly, uh, we see plainly that God expects us to keep our promises. We also see that God expects nations to keep their promises. There's a lot to be said about that. You can draw your own conclusions there uh, about the nation and its current condition. I'm not going to dive deep into that. Uh, he held Israel as a nation to account for their failure and to keep the Joshua 9 promise to the Gibeonites. Uh, second, we see that time does not diminish our obligation to promises. Again, this was 400 years later, right? Uh, it was a long time ago, one might say, and indeed it was a long time ago, but the eternal God expects us to keep old promises as well as new ones. God held Israel to account for a 400-year-old promise, right? Um, it also paints a beautiful picture of the way God views promises from his end. God keeps his promises. And he doesn't sit back and say, oh, well, you know, this human did this, this human did this. I don't have to keep my promise to that human. No, he keeps his promises no matter what. And that, that statement alone is why we can have a home in heaven one day, because God keeps his promises. Amen? So let's pray this morning. God in heaven, we thank you so much for, for keeping your promises, for keeping... Uh, uh, what you say that you're going to do for us, God, and for giving the examples here in your word that we can uh, learn more about you and, and the way that we should handle situations, God. Uh, we ask that you be with us here in this service. God, let your spirit and let your word uh, touch us and move us today. In your name we pray. Amen.
All right, let's sing this morning. We're going to start with At Calvary, and then we'll have a few more for you. to claim I 
I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's land. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And now complete in death, my robe is righteousness. Close sheltered neath his side, I am divinely blessed. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's fast and melt this heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. When from my dying bed, my ransom so shall rise. Jesus died, my soul to save, shall lend the vaulted skies. And when before the throne I stand in incomplete, I'll lay my trophies down, all down at Jesus' feet. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. How great thou art. 
See, I've got my bags packed and I'm ready to go here. Uh, I got my airline tickets, so I'm, I'm good there. And uh, I got a lot of extra clothes in here and a, one pair of clean socks. Uh, and let's see, got my toothbrush, always need that. And what is this? Uh, oh, I don't need that. Frank, you need this? Okay. All right, well, we won't worry about that. Um, you know, uh, uh, this summer, several churches from this association and the other association I work with went on mission trips to various places. Uh, a church in this association went to Ghana and West Africa and served there. Another church went to uh, work in an Indian reservation in uh, New Mexico. And then uh, uh, one of the churches, I think Kennedy, went to Dominican Republic and did some work there with children's homes. And a lot of good things come out of a, a mission trip. Uh, a lot of needs around the world, but you know, I got to thinking about about mission trips, and you know, uh, mission trips are good. They're they're good for the uh, the uh, ones who receive from the mission team. They're good for those the church members that go and give of themselves. But you know, as good as uh, mission trips are, and as important as it is to go on mission trips, uh, sometimes we forget that there's another kind of mission trip to be involved in. And I want to suggest to you this morning that if you or a Christian, if you are a child of God, that you are on a mission trip every day. Now, when I was growing up, uh, we always thought of missionaries as people that were overseas in some pagan country, uh, and uh, they needed all the help they could get, of course, because we, we were a Christian nation. I remember when the southern states were called the Bible Belt, and uh, Texas, I think, we called itself the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. And that was because most of the people I knew when I was growing up went to church. Um, you know, at, at least if they didn't go all the time, they went on a fairly regular basis. Uh, some of you may be old enough to remember back with me that uh, there was a time when almost every business and almost every store was closed on Sunday. 
That's because people went to church. If they didn't go to church, at least they uh, respected the Lord's Day and places were closed. I, I remember when I grew up in a big, big church in Austin that at least two or three times a year we would have uh, missionaries come to our church and give reports on and what they were doing to reach the lost people in their country. And so I thought of a missionary as someone who God had called a special person to a special task in some faraway country. And uh, I don't even remember in my childhood years or my teenage years of, of the church where I attended or, or a church that I knew of uh, go, taking a group of people and loading up and flying to some place like Dominican Republic on a mission trip. It just didn't usually happen. But you know, dynamics have changed today, and it's, it's for the good. More and more churches are getting involved in, in sending teams uh, to share the good news. Another thing that's changed is that America is no longer a Christian nation. In fact, today, the number of people coming to Christ in, far, in foreign countries surpasses the number of people coming to Christ in the United States. In fact, foreign countries are sending missionaries, Christian missionaries, to the United States. I read a statistic that in 2008, Southern Baptist churches baptized 33,000 fewer people than were baptized in 1950. And in 1908, there are 17,000 more churches than there were in 1950. Something's wrong with that picture. In 2009, the American Religious Identity Survey was taken, and the results showed an alarming increase of nuns. Now, I'm not talking about our Catholic sisters. I'm talking about N-O-N, none. Those were the people who, when they were asked on that survey what religious group they identified with, and they checked none. And that survey from just seven years ago showed that the percentage of nuns almost doubled over the past few years. And listen to this. Those claiming no religion on that survey made up were a third of the largest contingency in the United States, surpassed only by Catholics, Baptists, and then the nuns the ones that have no religious affiliation. And then our Lutheran and Methodist and Presbyterian friends came down below that. And in that survey, those that checked none were the only religious or only group that rose in percentage in every state. That makes it a national trend. There's no more Bible Belt, folks. We're living in a land full of nuns, people who have absolute, know absolutely nothing about God, know absolutely nothing about the Bible, and nothing about Jesus. Um, I mentioned to you in my thing about the association that we support the Baptist Student Ministries. And this summer, the Baptist Student Ministries in Texas State and San Marcos sent out students all over the world. And one young lady named Elizabeth, 19-year-old student at Texas State, went with uh, Go Now Ministries to Orlando, Florida. She was on a creative arts team, and they went around to public venues, and they would do music and puppetry and drama, to draw a crowd, and then they would go and just mingle in that crowd and visit with people. And I want to read to you something that Elizabeth said, wrote in an article that appeared in one of our Baptist publications. She said, on Friday morning, after performing a set of singing and puppetry at a McDonald's, which surprised me that McDonald's let them in, but I felt convicted to speak to an eight-year-old little girl named Veronica who was sitting alone in the audience. After making some small talk, I asked her if she went to church, to which she said no. I then asked her if she knew who Jesus was. To which she answered, no. Little Veronica had no clue what the Bible was, nor what sin is, or, not, or what prayer is. That caught me by complete surprise, Elizabeth said. I had the opportunity then to tell her about Jesus and what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago, 
to save her from her sins, and her eyes sparkled in amazement as I told her about the love that Jesus had for her. She was flabbergasted as I told her how great our God is and that we, and that we can talk to God anytime and He will listen to us. I proceeded to hold her fragile, eager hands and led her through her very first prayer. After the amen, she thanked me and our time together was up. It's not likely that I will ever meet her again in this lifetime, though during that time our paths did cross, I was able to plant a seed within her heart to which the Holy Spirit can use to grow and convict her throughout her life. The mission field, folks, is all around us. The Scriptures indicate that we are to be on mission every day. The obvious Scripture that comes to mind is in Matthew 28, which we call the Great Commission, where God tells us, Jesus told the disciples, and He tells us that we are to go out into our world and we're to make disciples. We're to be on mission for God. And our call also comes from the passage where Jesus said that we are to be the light of the world, the light in the darkness. And folks, I want you to know that darkness is getting darker and darker, which means we as God's people, if we're to be the light, we're to be brighter and brighter. In 1991, a book titled God's Missionary People came out and it introduced the Christian world to a word that hadn't been used before in any writings. And the word was the word missional. And the definition of that word um, is, refers to the church. It's been stated like this, and it's on your screen. And I want you to read these words with me so you can get these embedded in your mind. A missional church is a reproducing body of authentic disciples equipped as missionaries sent by God to live and proclaim His kingdom in their world. Okay, that's a long definition, but I want to break that down. And it's not just... Uh, it's not just being a missional church, but as we're part of the church, then we need to be missional people. We need to be reproducing and authentic and equipped and sent and living and proclaiming. And I want to break these five parts of this down so we can kind of get our minds around it. A reproducing body, it says. It means that as a church and as individuals, we are to be reproducing ourselves. Now, we do a good job of reproducing little babies, but we need to be in the job of reproducing little baby Christians and working with them. We should be multiplying ourselves. We talk about you know, how we had so many added to the church. Well, addition's fine, but multiplication is better, and we ought to be multiplying. And multiplication happens when, when you as a Christian begins to uh, relate to someone who's not a Christian, and you work with that person and pray with that person, and you win them to the Lord, and then you teach them how and you disciple them to be a soul winner. And then the, then the two of you go out and win two other people, and the four go out and win more people and it becomes a multiplication product process and not an addition process. So we need to be a reproducing body of authentic disciples. That word disciple means to be a learner. As God's children, we're to be learners and, and disciples. Uh, you need to know that the root word for learner here is, has in it, in the Greek root word, has in it a thought accompanied by an endeavor. There's a big difference to some, about, from someone who just learns about something and someone who does something. And you will remember that James, in one of his writings, said that we're to be not just hearers of the Word, but we're to be doers of the Word. Okay, we're to be a reproducing body of authentic disciples equipped to be missionaries. That doesn't mean you have to have some kind of big seminary degree to be a missionary. Our churches should be equipping people to reach out into their communities, and we should be providing hands-on opportunities to do missions. Those trips to New Mexico and Africa, Dominican Republic, 
were, were, were equipping sessions for these people in the churches. But there are places in our community right here in this county where you can be equipped and trained to serve as a missionary through this church. Um, there are opportunities through this church and through the association, through our state convention and other ministries. Back to the definition. A reproducing body of authentic disciples equipped to be missionaries sent by God. I already mentioned the passage in Matthew 28. God is clearly sending us out into our world, not just on a one-time mission trip, but every day. When that scripture says, uh, Matthew 28, 19, 20 says, Go ye therefore, the Greek word for go in the original language means as you are going. Jesus is really saying to us, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going to work, as you're going to school, as you're going to some recreational activity, then build relationships, make disciples. It's an everyday thing wherever we go. So we have a reproducing body of authentic disciples, uh, equipped as missionaries, sent by God. The last thing and probably the most important is to live and proclaim His kingdom in their world. For centuries, the church has been trying to go out and draw people in and do things that will draw people in. But according to that last part of this definition, we are to live and proclaim the gospel out there in our world where we live and where we play and where we work. Someone said that, that being missional doesn't just mean sending and supporting, but it means being and doing. It means being a church where missions is not just an expression of our ministry, but it's the essence of its existence. We exist for the purpose of being missional. The whole purpose for First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs and every other church is to equip members to be on mission where they are every day. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian and the Christian martyr, made this statement in one of the books he wrote while he was in prison. The church is the church only when it exists for others. Let me say that again. The church is the church only when it exists for others. Missions should be more than just going on a mission trip once a year. It should be more than just giving to some special Christmas offering or Easter offering. Now, just as those groups that went to Africa and Dominican Republic, those mission teams from our churches had to pack a bag to go on that mission trip, I want to suggest to you that you need to have a bag packed before you go on this mission trip that God has called you to be on every day. And there's some things I want to share with you that are essential for this, that trip. The first thing, Morgan, is uh, that you're saved. Well, I was supposed to have a thing up there, but you can see that okay. All right. Um, you know, the most important thing is our salvation. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in uh, verse 4 and 5. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now skip down to verses 8-10. through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These verses tell us that God's plan for mankind is that we be made alive together with Christ. It tells us that God has grace and mercy on us and desires us to accept His love. But look back at verse 10. It says that He created us for good works and wants us to walk in those works. 
so that our lives will show His glory. Remember that verse in Matthew 5.16 that says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. See, we weren't created just to come and sit here an hour on Sunday morning. We were created to serve. We were created to, to exhibit good works, not so we get the glory, but that God gets the glory. Okay? So by His mercy and grace, He offers salvation through Jesus Christ. But our salvation should lead to good works so that our lives would then glorify the Father and others would know Him and would come to Him. In the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, when Jesus talks about being the vine and we are the, the branches, there's a passage in there that says, He says, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So we were saved to go and were to bear fruit. God's mercy and grace toward us should, to us should be the motivation for us then to go on this mission trip every day. We are saved to be on mission for God. The second thing in, in our bag is that we are to, should be submerged in the Word. One of the, I think it was Lifeway, one of their vacation Bible school curriculum was submerged. And the, the co-title was Finding God's Truth Below the Surface. Uh, turn with me to Psalms uh, 119, uh, beginning in verse... Uh, one, I guess, no, verse 11, I'm sorry. Uh, Psalms 119.11, Your word I have hidden in my heart. And then look at verse 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts and I will contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your words. That's more than just reading a verse in the Bible in our Sunday school or listening to a verse in the Bible. We are, we are making it a part of our lives. We are going below the surface in God's word and we are being submerged. Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So it's through His Word that we get our strength and we get our power to live the Christian life and to be on mission every day. I like a verse in Psalms 37.3 that says that we are to feed on God's faithfulness. See, we get our nourishment, we get our strength, we get our power from, from reading about God's faithfulness in His Word. I don't know how we can think of going on mission anywhere without the power of God's Word in our lives. So we need to be saved. We need to be submerged in His Word. There's something else in here. We need to be submitted to His will. Uh, look with me in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. In Hebrews 13, it says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord from the dead make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight. So how do we, how do we please God? We please God through being submerged into His Word, and then submitted to His will. And His will is that we be on a mission trip every day. Now the fourth thing we need to have in our bag is we need to know that we are sent by God. We earlier talked about the Great Commission, Go ye therefore, and we said that it means as you're going, make disciples. As you're going in your daily activities, wherever you go, Look for opportunities to be on mission for God. 
I don't care if it's somebody in the grocery store line. You know, make advantage, take advantage of how long you got to stand in line at Walmart because they only got three checkers open. But take advantage of it. Visit with the person behind you. Talk to somebody. Strike up a conversation with a person across from the gas pump from you. A couple of years ago, uh, Terry Coy wrote a book that was titled Return to the Margins. And it was about how the church must adapt to post-Christian uh, America. When, when the church began in Acts 2, it was on the margin of society. When Constantinople came in and, and kind of uh, nationalized religion and God, then God was a part of everything. And now we as God's church are living on the margin again because we're in the minority and we're on the margin. Well, anyway, Terry is a missionary, uh, was a missionary kid that grew up in Chile and now he's involved in church starting and mission work. And uh, in uh, the foreword to that book, uh, Kevin Izell, president of the North American Mission Board, wrote the foreword. And in that, he tells about a church start that began in April of 2013 in Montreal, Canada. And he said it was a place that had been really a graveyard for a lot of church starts uh, and new churches. And uh, a pastor would be excited if he started a church in Montreal and would have 40 or 50 people in church. But a year later, when, when Kevin Izell wrote this foreword, uh, that church was averaging 700 a week. In, in Montreal, Canada. And so Dr. Ezel asked the pastor, he said, what's your secret for having such a large crowd in a city that's so turned off to Christianity? And he asked him, was it billboard advertising? Was it a direct mail campaign? Was it a door-to-door campaign? You know what the pastor said? He said the secret to their unusual growth was that the believers who were attending their church were, get this, they were inviting their lost friends. What a novel thing, you know. They invited their lost friends to church. And in that foreword, uh, Dr. Zell lists three lessons that he said we can learn uh, from this church as our world grows so increasingly indifferent and callous toward Christianity. And one of the things he said was that, and I'm going to read his little descriptive paragraph uh, that says, we must live missionally. He says, we must intentionally connect with people who don't know Christ and we must communicate with them about spiritual things. Our motivation is not simply to add numbers to our church, but to introduce people to the God who loves them and who created them. Many people don't even know that about God. The second thing he said, besides living missionally, he says we must live relationally. And he says, if anyone thinks the idea of if we build it, they will come, still works, He says it's time to abandon that because research clearly shows that people still respond to a personal invitation. You can put banners up all over this town advertising a revival or a service or something special. You can put banners up all over this town and more people are going to come from you members going out and say, would you come to this service with me? Would you come to church with me? And I'll I'll come pick you up. I'll sit by you. The third thing, besides being living missionally, besides living relationally, is we must live faithfully. And he says our society views almost everything with a certain amount of suspicion. So our churches and our lives must be lived out with authenticity. We must demonstrate our faith in tangible ways. Now let me ask you this morning, first and foremost, are you saved? If the answer is yes, then you have been saved to serve. You have been saved to be on a mission trip 
every day. You don't have to lug this big thing around with you, but in your heart, you need to be packed with these things we talked about. If you're saved, then I'm asking you this morning, are you submerged in His Word? Are you submitted to His will and the plan that He has specifically for you? Because God has got a plan for each one of us specifically for us. You need to get your bags packed because God is sending you and wants you to be on a mission trip. Now, I'm in closing, I, I want to share something with you I thought about, and somebody else may have already thought about this, but I read when I was doing some reading for this that uh, some statistician said that there are 7 billion people in the world. And someone, uh, some statistician estimated that about 6 billion of the 7 billion are lost, which leaves 1 billion that claim to be Christians. And so, you, you know, we say, golly, we're just totally outnumbered. There's no way that one billion people are going to be able to reach six billion people. But I know what I'm about to say is kind of on the fringes of being idealistic talk. But I thought about this. If each person that claims to be, of these one billion Christians, claims that claims to be a Christian, if each one of those people would begin to develop, intentionally develop a relationship with a lost person, and spend time working with them and praying with them and leading them to Christ and then discipling them. And even if this process takes a year, if, if it takes a year, at the end of a year, how many Christians would we have? Two billion. The ones that were already Christians and the new ones, right? Okay. Then we have two billion Christians that can go out and begin to intentionally build relationships and pray with and win a lost person to Christ and disciple that person to be a soul winner. And then how many do you have? you got 4 billion Christians and 3 billion lost people. The ratio has just almost flip-flopped. Can you see where this is going? I mean, math multiplication has kicked in. Well, that's just a thought I had. Uh, but think about it. Because God has called us to live missionally, He's called us to live relationally, and He's called us to be faithful. I ask you this morning, are your bags packed? Let's pray. Father, we uh, know that You want us to serve You, and we know You've called us to be Your missionaries, and we just apologize to You for the many times we just let things go by and we don't intentionally relate to people and connect with people that we know are lost. Father, we have the good news and You expect us to proclaim that where we live in our little world. Father, give us the uh, discipline to be submerged in Your Word and submit to Your will and go out and, and reach the lost people. Just be with us during this time of invitation. Father, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know You as Lord and Savior, we hope that they see that, that You have a special call for them and You have a special thing for them to do. And Father, we pray that they would yield to Your Spirit speaking to them in, in their lives and that they would, would step out and come forward and, and express their love for You and their their dedication to You. Father, if there's someone here today that's uh, been a Christian for many years that haven't uh, uh, even said anything about Christ or Christianity to a lost person, that they would feel a sense of uh, uh, 
moving forward and, and uh, sharing your word. Just be with us now during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. straightforward there guys are you are you multiplying you can't do it if you don't know Christ so this is your opportunity if the Lord's speaking to you will you accept him today if you do know Christ as brother Tommy said are you ready to be submerged in his word and be sent out to share that as we sing if God's laid out in your heart come to this altar I'll pray with you pray there pray where you're at brother Tommy will pray with you well let's go back to the Lord in prayer let's get this straight before we leave here today as we sing Thank you.